For me, to be honest, building startup is like a form of a lifestyle. It's not exactly a fulfilling your mission or vision, but I just like the process. You never know what you're going to be working on tomorrow. It's like life full of surprises and challenges, and I just like embracing those challenges. You're listening to Foreign Founders, where we tell stories of immigrant and international founders who are working tirelessly to shape the future. We share stories of their upbringing, culture, and background, and explore the companies and products they're building. We want to highlight these founders because these are stories that are often not told. Thank you for joining us. How many of you all who listen to this podcast use multiple apps in your personal and professional life every single day? From note-taking apps, communication apps, and file management apps, there are endless. And it's supposed to make you more productive. Now, how much time and energy do you spend looking for information across your digital files, notes, and discussion threads in order to accomplish your work? Today, we have Elizabeth Tischenko, co-founder of Nevermind. Nevermind is a smart AI assistant that answers your questions by leveraging your personal data. It's an intelligent work companion where you can start to imagine all that information you need comes to you and is available at your fingertips. I'm really excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you a lot, Andy. Thank you for having me here. It's a, yeah. it's a pleasure. Well, um, you have, uh, first, I would love to start out with, you know, your background, especially uh, the show is Foreign Founders. So yeah, where did you grow up? Um, and then where are you today? Well, that's uh, a long story, but I will try to make it short. Uh, originally, I'm from Ukraine. Uh, and uh, basically, I studied my study there. I've been brought up there. Uh, but at a certain point, I just decided I need to move towards the best because I felt there was more career opportunities to pursue. So I moved to Poland, where I actually finished my education. And there started basically my career, my career, like building a first startup. Um, and after some time, I started um, leading a nomadic lifestyle, started traveling from one country to another country. So kind of settling up uh, for like three to five months, getting to know local culture, uh, startup ecosystem, and then moving on. And um, currently I landed in Nordics. Um, so where we are actually in Oslo building our current startup, never mind. Um, and, um, it's, it's been an incredible journey so far. And how long have you been in Oslo now? Uh, so I, I'm actually right now in the process of moving. So I stacked, uh, in Nordics, um, I've been living for the past five months in uh, Stockholm in Sweden, but since we set up a company in Oslo and we are planning to build our, like grow our team locally, I decided it's going to be a good opportunity for me to be also among my founders. And um, we also, as we are growing the team, um, it's going to be um, a bit more fun there. And also for like further grow um, for uh, fundraising and other purposes, it's better to build network in a single place. It's easier. So my summer is going to be spent there and then the live will show. Amazing. So Ukraine is uh, really well known for a lot of like the high quality development talent out there. Right. Um, uh, so you know, my first company that I was working with, a lot of the team members were Ukrainian. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the the three ecosystem, especially the startup ecosystem between Ukraine, Poland, and now Norway? 
in Norway. Um, so, in terms of startup ecosystem, uh, there is a lot of help comes from the governmental side. So, um, they give you a lot of additional grants, um, especially if your company is uh, working on R and D heavy uh, components area within. Uh, so you can get uh, additional soft funding option and opportunity like those are not as common in Ukraine and Poland, at least like from um, my perspective. And um, uh, what I also feel like here, uh, you need actually to grow from scratch your network because a lot of uh, businesses are being grown based on your warm connections, warm introductions. Mm -hmm. uh, in Ukraine and Poland, I personally felt is a little bit more easier to sort of grow your network initially. Uh, but nevertheless, what I really like about the Nordics, then your startup or your company in the long term, in the long run, are being protected. So um, it's very difficult for uh, multinational, like uh, huge companies to create a monopoly and cover the Nordic market. So Nordic companies, like it's a very unbeatable in sort of way. So that I feel like is a strong uh, part of a Nordic system. And it's now also growing for software as well, but mostly it's uh, known for some specific sectors, more like sustainability, renewable space, energy. And uh, Poland and Ukraine, I would say more like SaaS-oriented uh, still, but they also growing as a, as a startup ecosystem. So. Yeah. And what brought you, from what I understand, to Norway was um, a startup program. Is that where you met your uh, the team, the Nevermind team? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, we got into Antler Acceleration Program, so it was uh, basically across Nordic cohorts. There yeah. is a fun fact about them. I guess we are the only team that's been brought up from all the different relocations. So it was across uh, Norway, uh, Sweden, and um and Denmark, and each of my co-founders are from three different locations. And nevertheless, we managed to meet together. Um, and since then, we are building the company. So, yeah. Amazing. Do you, um, yeah, tell us more about what, how, how you met them through different programs. So as, um, as a context, Elizabeth and I are Antler alumni, basically, different places. I went to Austin last summer, and then Elizabeth in Oslo. Antler is like a couple weeks, couple months program of different uh, founders and companies um, building and then ultimately going for like a pre-seed round. They're huge in Europe. So how did you all end up meeting? So uh, although we have like a common cohort, right? So we had a common Slack. Uh, I initially was trying to look for founders um, in Sweden because this is where I could meet everybody face to face, like in person. Uh, but then we also were running like cross cohort, cross country sprints. And this is where I initially started uh, meeting people from other countries. And then I came uh, alongside like Leonor. Uh, she's also one of our co-founders to Oslo, where we met our CTO. And it actually happened by... Um, um, but uh, very unexpected circumstances, we went for a very late night brainstorming session together because we were thinking to uh, team up together. And there was like completely empty office space and aside of one person, it was our CTO who was coding something. And, like, you know, that's how we actually get to know each other. Like three crazy people came to uh, office space super late at night. And then we decided like to team up. So we Amazing. found them. Uh, common space that we're all passionate about and since then we are working together yeah i can imagine a lot of post-its a lot of notes everywhere and 
a lot of debates that <laughs> to get to exactly this point, right? exactly that's amazing so um from what i understand actually not just you but all the other co-founders are also um not norwegian they it's are um they're basically immigrant founders to oslo Yes, our CTO, Nuno, he is actually Portuguese, but he's currently living in Oslo. And our CEO, Leonor, she is Swedish. Um, she's uh, from um, Malmo area. And, um, well, the experience, um, i never been to Nordics for living for a long time before. So for me, it's um, basically get to know a completely different culture. So I believe also true for um, our CTO as well. So it's been a challenge in many different aspects. First of all, like even setting up company in Norway, although that's considered to be relatively simple compared to many other countries, but still not being local uh, creates for you a lot of like difficulties and tension. And especially when you don't have network yet, Antler was super helpful in this regard because it's actually introduced us to this first round, like first um, uh, people that we got familiar with who really supported us in our journey. Um, so without this support, I can hardly imagine just by accident getting to Norway and just starting everything from scratch. Um, so, yeah, that's how it's been so far. Yeah. So Norway, it has a lot of great like government programs, especially around the startup ecosystem, as you mentioned. But what were what would you say was like the biggest challenge as, you know, a non-citizen building a startup in Norway? Uh, well, I would say there are a couple of things that, first of all, like uh, we are building a SaaS a solution, right? Like software as a service. Mm-hmm. And uh, Norway are more focused towards um, like different type of companies, or at least like it's now started growing in this space. Uh, therefore, uh, when, for example, you're trying to do the fundraising, uh, you have a little bit like limited pool of investors that invest in this space. Again, it's it's growing now heavily. And um, again, building network, I would say this is a, a, another challenge because everything is like here, network based, all the businesses, partnerships, whatsoever. And also, of course, if you'd like to hire the talent, this is another smaller challenge that comes uh, into play because uh, salaries obviously in Norway are quite high. And if you get talent on board, is basically very difficult to fire somebody of course nobody is fun like fan of firing people or layoffs uh, but in startup is essential to get on board especially early on like the best um, individuals that are aligned with your vision and would like to uh, work side by side but if for some reason you didn't do the right choice it's later like difficult to change the team if it makes sense yeah. Um, and uh, the weather. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of cold and dark winters. So I haven't spent yet winter in Norway, but yeah. um, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe you can go to Portugal during the winter. <laughs> right, right. That's actually another great option. I mean, we don't have to grow company in a single country, right? Like we can have multiple locations for like winter, summertime. Yeah. Absolutely. And starting uh, a business. Is that process pretty easy in Norway? Well, in general, setting up business here is quite straightforward. Um, the challenge here is uh, actually banking system. So as soon as you get like some initial ID, like it calls like Norway, like D number. So basically you are registered as um, uh, somebody who lives in Norway, then things 
become a bit more smooth. So additional like um, point here is that almost everything is digitalized. So it's in a way easy to deal with all this like paperwork. You just like submit online application form and it gets better. But for the banking system, like getting like let's say opening up bank account, this is a bit of uh, challenges at least at least we found it is challenging but at least they have a very straightforward procedure so if you get accustomed with that if you have somebody who just like lead you through then everything becomes like much much better well that was a long story between from you growing up in ukraine all the way to building a startup in norway um what was your upbringing like i guess we um i would love to learn more about yeah what made you realize that a year, you were always entrepreneurial, uh, and I would love to learn more. Oh, sure. To be honest, I've been a pretty active kid since my childhood. So whatever like I was given by a standard program, it was never enough. So I was always like doing multiple sports at the same time. Of course, I would like to say thank you to my parents that actually wanted to fill in completely my schedule. So to be honest, like no matter what age I was, my schedule was always filled with all the different activities and stuff. So basically no free time as like free time to relax. So basically my relax, it was some other types of activities. Um, and since then, um, I was always participating at school in some tournaments, additional Olympiads. And uh, at the age of 18, as soon as I get into university, I realized that university is so boring. So I decided to start my uh, first uh, startup um, at the age of 18. So I was in a way lucky to meet my first mentor who basically uh, gave, me a, gave me a hand and um, I accepted to try this like new experience for myself. So it was my basically first career experience. Uh, and it was rough because uh, my English was horrible at the point at the moment, and I was supposed to try everything like sales, marketing, development, so everything from scratch. I didn't know like what the business is, so like like leading a business, but um, that was um, experience that basically changed my entire lifetime. So since then, I've been also working for companies. Uh, I couldn't stay for long. I just felt like. It's not exactly for me because I always enjoyed creating something new, not being limited by um, specific boundaries. I like uh, crossing the boundaries, experiment, see what the world needs and try to give something to people that they may find value in. So, mm. yeah, and you've, so you felt like working for uh, about a product, like working for a product that's already out there, maybe have product market fit that was too restricting. And um, like, was it because your roles were defined already? And then as a founder, your roles are less defined. Is that I would the biggest say, difference? Um, I would say the biggest difference for me is was um, I always wanted to give my extra time, extra effort into developing the product, right? Uh, or solution in a particular way. But when I was working in companies, it was defined by somebody else. So I was not somebody who was responsible for like pushing things forward, but you came up with wonderful ideas or wonderful experiments and you lied in front of your client and the client like, no, like we will do it this way. And then without any reasoning, you understand that like, do you have at least some data? Did you talk to your customers to figure out that this is what they need? No, it's just, I feel like this is the right way and you basically have to, 
create like or develop a solution in such a way and I felt like all my extra effort all my extra uh like creativity just went into nowhere and um at least when you build startup you can have a lot of space for um building things the way you feel like right so uh, when you create this process, when you figure out, like you talk to customers just enough for you to figure out like what they want. And at the same time, you could bring enough innovation on top of that to sort of shock or surprise people uh, with the product that you build. This is what I especially like about it. And for me, to be honest, building startup is like a form of a lifestyle. It's not exactly a fulfilling your mission or vision, but I just like the process. You never know what you're going to be working on tomorrow. It's like life full of surprises and challenges. And I just like embracing those challenges. Yeah, I love that. And let's talk about your latest challenge. Never mind. Can you tell us more about what, what it does, um, what it is? Um, right. So basically, um, I guess like nowadays, all business professionals, they are working with so many different tools on a day-to-day basis for like communication, taking notes, documentation. And we realized that it's just started very difficult to grasp on all this important information. Let's say when you would like to create a presentation or when you would like to follow up with the customers and you're looking for updates and you're not sure like, should I pin the team? Should I, you know, like skim through the like previous conversation when there was like hundreds of thousands of emails? And we just realized it's like super tough. So that's why we decided to build Nevermind as an AI-based digital assistant that helps you to streamline all your personal data, like leverage your data to be able to answer all your questions and make your job just like easy and pleasant. So um, yeah, basically you can imagine it um, as, a, as a search. So this is just a way of interacting with our product where you just ask a question or you can ask to summarize some specific pieces of information and it will just get it done for you so that you can focus on more important matters. Yeah. Like I said, at the top of the episode, it's you have, we all use so many different apps now. And I think even the native apps, like Google drive, terrible search. You can't find anything when you're doing it. Slack, terrible. You can't find anything. And now just just like all these artifacts everywhere. So how does it work exactly? Do you OAuth into a lot of these platforms and then it just pulls in that data? Uh, Right. So it's just a desktop application, right? You install Nevermind to your computer and then you connect with all your everyday tools that you're using. And as soon as it's done, uh, you basically can interact it in multiple ways. So first, the simplest is a search. So you just need to find a specific, like, last year, like, presentation or document. You just type it in, it just pops up. Uh, you can also have a bit more challenging type of task. Like, for example, get your last year um, revenue breakdown. So you just, like, ask, you know, what's my revenue breakdown? You just find a very specific sources, like, uh, the search is smart. And then it just brings you the dates, like, uh, like specific numbers. And if you would like to dig through, you also have a source attached so you can figure it out. But there is also another layer on top that's uh, something that where we are aiming at is basically the more your personal data you feed into or into the system, like all your messages, conversation, your entire schedule, like if you let never mind learn everything about you, it can basically create a digital resemblance of you, like your digital twin. So like now imagine this tool can handle conversation with your clients 
or even with your team members by preparing for you the entire email or message. So you just need basically to click one button, send it over, um, and everything is done. So you could just work on something else and your com- communication is being like taken care of by, by AI, right? Yeah, it's incredible. And when uh, the, the AI component too is really interesting. And that's the focus of at least see, uh, like this series of interviews that I'm doing is uh, talking to AI founders. So can you tell me a little bit about how you think with Nevermind uh, information retrieval and uh, how does AI fit into um, getting the right information for that right user? Right. So what we are trying to achieve, right, is to create, um, to bring personalization on a different level because in order to build a proper AI, it gets better with the data, right? And not only quantity counts, but also the quality of this data. So majority of nowadays existing solutions, all this AI-based plugin and everybody known like ChatGPT, it's very generic um, uh, it's quite a generic tool, right? So it's like works the same way for everybody. But if it actually gets more personalized and know more about you, it can get job much, much better, right? But as soon as you do that, there is appears like another like challenge or an obstacle is basically your data privacy. Because in order to make it work much better you need to give it more of your personal data but now imagine if there is a chance your competitor can get to know about your company some very specific and very sensitive information or um this model gonna know everything about your like next year plan right that can get like pretty scary so this is where uh we are trying to build a proprietary technology uh that's um basically allowed all your data to stay private. So basically nobody included us will get any access for your data. So it's basically stay locally. It will stay locally on your device and we just um, use only tiny part of um, encrypted um, data to do all the computing and processes. I see. That's, um, yeah, that, I think that is the big question about, uh, you know, these are feeding uh, your data is feeding uh, a model in some ways, but are you able to, is that going to infer other products from using that sort of data too? And being able to uh, have provisions where that your own personal data is secure and stored and actually useful for, to you, but maybe not to anyone else or doesn't get leaked is uh, is the big, uh, big selling point for Nevermind. Yes, it's definitely is, especially if you now follow all the different conversation about AI. So people are being split into two different camps. One that kind of like seem to concern about privacy because everybody, if you ask, they're concerned about privacy. But in a matter of like how things are looking for, you just like tick off all the check boxes whenever you would like to use a new tool, right? Without like, questioning what exactly is happening with my data. And all the companies, they claim that your data is private and secure just because they encrypt it, but it doesn't mean that they cannot access it, right? So it still goes into the cloud. Somebody, if they really try hard, they can get an access to this data. And for us, it's definitely a big play um, so that we would like to going forward, we would like to create this secure and private environment where you still own your life, you still own your data, but 
you could do a lot with that, right? So as you mentioned, what else we can do? There are, to be honest, unlimited opportunities. Like it could basically, um, never mind, could replace all your manual digital work that you do, right? Like mm -hmm. scheduling events, maybe ordering even Uber for you when you're late, like following up with the person if you just like also like got late for five minutes to the meeting. So yeah, opportunities are endless. Yeah. Um, and then another question related to product building in AI space. How do you think about it in terms of building Nevermind, especially with the rapid change in and progress in AI or like large language models? Um, yeah, how do you think of that as a as a founder? Um, well, um, definitely all this growth in AI that is happening is um, is valuable in a way that. Um, like right now, what I feel like with with all this hype, everybody gets to know about it a little bit more and are more open for AI and like trying out the products. Because you would have spoken with somebody like a couple of years ago before like ChatGPT was there, people yeah. were like really scared. Like, you know, when you watch like all these like different movies, you're like, okay, they're going to um capture the vault like we're going to be fighting with ai so uh definitely there is a possibility that it might go a little bit different route than all of us expect um but i really like like that there is a hype about it like sh started showing up and many companies they uh start looking for ways how they actually ai technology can complement us not replace right um so we are planning uh to use all these like models or like um, we believe that by building Nevermind, we can easier deliver the solution to people because we don't need any more to, we won't need any more to prove or make them even try it out because now people are pretty accustomed of trying different AI-based products. Yeah. So I believe yeah. this awareness is, is great. Yeah. Awareness, not only on the consumers, but also investors too. I've talked to people who are building chatbots in the past, and especially with large language models and uh, you know GPT models coming out, you know, like what we built before isn't really suitable anymore because of the rapid progress and in AI and these large language models. Do you a do you um, use Use LLMs today for Nevermind and be, yeah. Does that, does that, uh, the rapid progress, does that come into, how does it come into your product building or, um, you know, the next, maybe the next month, there might be new models that come out or new plugins right. or, you know, new yeah. APIs. Like, how, how do you think about that? Right. So, of course, for us, it's uh, important. Um, we we are definitely using some, but there are also different parts of this large language models. What is important to pay attention is how this um, model have been trained, like what kind of data they used for training, uh, right? And um, basically some of the models are open source. You can just take them, use them at the base and build on top of that. So like train on top of that. That's basically um in a way the direction that we are heading but there are also large language models that are uh being controlled like for example by uh, open ai and uh you don't even have all the insights so like some company they're not being like, fully transparent in terms of showing what their data has been 
trained on and I'm not like, very supportive in terms of this uh, direction because currently as there are a lot of concerns raised about AI globally, I would say to uh, mitigate people's um, like frustration or like um, fears, you'd better um, explain them and show and uh, keep some transparency as a company, right? Yeah. To give them more insights and understanding of how it needs to be uh, built. And definitely, if you could also see, you may heard about this paper being recently, uh, that was recently leaked from Google, um, where they talk there is like no moat uh, that AI and Google, uh, open AI and Google, and, um, Google have. Um, and basically mean that open source communities are now in a very short period of time they managed to um, create models that are even more powerful in some way so i wouldn't be surprised if the next versions are going to have like capabilities and solve problems that nowadays large language large language models cannot solve like even doing specific computation calculations it's getting better and better in terms of even creativity you can be impressed like what generative AI right now like nowadays are capable of but again um yeah so yeah and uh so a lot has changed uh consumer attention is up people are more familiar with how to access all the like uh, all these data that they have whether it's in their personal life or in your case with nevermind professional life um and you recently raised $1.25 million. Uh, congratulations. And the product now is in beta stage, right? Right. So um, actually 125000 I mean, okay. I would like to raise more than $1 million, but it's going to be um, happening later. So it's like rather a uh, devaluation. So, um, yes, right now we are in a closed beta. We quite recently just launched. So our first user already testing our application. And, um, uh, yeah, it's been, um, it's been going so far great. So I can't actually wait for the next uh, round of feedback. So we are now wrapping up the next release. So it's getting more and more exciting, to be honest. Amazing. Who's your ideal customer profile? Uh, well, we are um, initially we are targeting um, CEOs and founders of um, small and gross uh, startup stages and also product managers. So we just uh, figured out that when you are at a spot at a company where you have to deal with both um, internal teams and also externally clients and you have this constant context switching so you need to grasp on all the multiple different things at the same time so like you have to be like a superman in a way so we are trying to rescue them and help them out with figuring things out and all this like data pool the closing question for me always is like what are you optimistic about uh well i'm i'm optimistic about advancement in ai um because i believe moving forward um Complementing human skills uh, rather than replacing them, this is what is about like, what is going to happen. So there is emergence of these various AI tools in the market, but uh, what's great about them is that they um, they are raising awareness uh, right among uh, the general population. So uh, basically, they're helping people become um, more receptive towards AI, so reducing suspicions and fears. So that's like all this great part. Um, so while it's true that some jobs might be impacted 
but still the goal is to leverage AI and free up valuable time, right? Valuable time and uh, more enjoyable and fulfilling tasks. So, however, um, it's also crucial for us to develop and utilize AI technology in such a way so that everybody knows what data had been trained on. So, right, like it's it's important for companies to to show this transparency, right, to be able to figure out like what data has been trained on uh, to mitigate all the important um, risks and biases. But in general, I really uh, feel like very hopeful with uh, everything, like the direction is all like going towards. Amazing. And where can people find you or never mind? Um, I guess the easiest way it would be to go to our website, um, uh, nevermind.com without R, right? N-E-V-E-M-I-N-D.com. Right. That's correct. We're also uh, active at uh, Twitter at get nevermind. You can also like drop us a note there or like also find us on LinkedIn product hunt. We are trying to be all over the place. Uh, and in terms of what we are looking for, we recently just closed, they just launched our closed beta and we are open for feedback. So it would be great if um, um, many of you who are interested or curious about the product could share your challenges that you face on day to day basis. Uh, some specific scenarios or use cases like because we really would like to improve it and bring a lot of value. Amazing. Well, this has been a great episode. Really great learning about you, your background, and never mind as well. Thank you so much for joining the show, Elizabeth. Aiden and that was a pleasure for me as well. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this valuable, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast app. One more thing. Foreign Founders is a new podcast, so please consider leaving a rating or review. That helps more people find the show. See you on the next episode.